Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome to the big weekend. I am Kyle Coster of the big lead. Georgia's good, huh? Pretty convincing. The pollsters are going to love that. My show today is a two-parter. First, Adam Lefko, who has a new deal with Turner Sports, came on to discuss hosting NBA on TNT's Tuesday night coverage. It's a great show. It's a fun show. We had a lot of laughs. Got, got deep there for a minute. Great interview. Love speaking with him. Uh, it's a fantastic product, as we know. The most interesting thing for me is how he has tried to make it his own. Obviously, with Ernie Johnson occupying a similar position for so long, that is a challenge. Lefko was thoughtful, and it was really insightful to hear how he approaches the gig. Then, Lions... The Detroit Lions, I had to take the opportunity to appoint a personal privilege to talk about the greatest victory of my lifetime. That's right. I'm going to say it. I'm going to stand by it. Kyle Paphausen of the Stephen Kyle podcast dropped by and we kind of geeked out and just tried to make sense of these weird and new emotions as same old Lions might be dead. So that's the show today. After this, you'll hear Adam Lefko. You know, I was I was curious. I never give introductions um, when the person is on the Zoom because I always feel like that's such an awkward situation for them to list all the plaudits and then God forbid you get something wrong. What do you normally do when someone introduces you on a podcast or TV show? Are those a rough eight seconds for you or are you an old pro? No, I, I'm I'm looking to see how good of a host you are. Like I'm, I'm looking to see the style. I'm also trying to figure out where, okay, did you Google? Did you like, what, where did you look for this information? I like it. I think it's, it's funny. Cause I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop talking in a second, but like, usually when I introduce someone, I usually like to yell right in the beginning. Cause I want to catch them off guard. So I'll be like this guy. And so, yeah, I'm going to watch you. This is going to be great. I'm excited. Oh, well, I'm not going to do it because it's the part that I am worse oh, damn. at. So I'm sorry to deny you that privilege. It's okay. Um, so TNT on Tuesday night. Um, Steve Carell famously never watched Ricky Gervais's office because he wanted to be his own character. Mm. You did not have that privilege because you, like everybody else, watched Ernie Johnson. He's a legend. Mm. How did you go about making that your own thing, but also learning the lessons that he gave you and that you observed. So my wife laughs because I don't watch sports like anybody else. Like I'm the only one not talking during halftime and I would fill up entire notebooks of just watching Ernie. But in the beginning, it was more of what stats is he trying after halftime? Oh, that's an interesting nugget in pregame because I think 
Um, we look at inside the NBA and we see their incredible uh, relationship and the chemistry, but I've always been taken aback at how in six seconds, Ernie could wrap up the game with two nuggets, transition points and rebounds. You're like, that is what happened in the first half. So I definitely took um, that from him being with him on the road. I, I got a full grasp of the work ethic that's required to make it look easy. Um, studying the way that he uses highlighters and, and talks to, to different staff members. But I think to your point, it took me about two shows to realize that's all great for preparation. But if I'm trying to be him on TV, it's going to be obvious. And so um, for me, it's I, I love that 20 seconds before the red light goes on, when no one else has any control but you, and they're all looking at you. And I purposefully do not use teleprompter for a few reasons. Number one, I do not like my analysts, Shaq, Candace, Jamal, knowing what I'm going to say. And two, I don't like them reading. And also for me, I it keeps me guessing for what I'm going to say. I've done all the prep, but now let's make this an experience that you're not gonna see anywhere else because even the host doesn't know what he's going to say. So to combat what you were saying, I've kind of gone to some measures to make sure that it's complete impromptu and complete improvisational so that even when I'm writing, I'm not going, that sounds too much like somebody else. So I want it completely fresh every time. So you can't go off teleprompter completely, I would imagine, without some hiccups. It seems like there would be, that's a process that you need to make some mistakes and learn from it. How do you get comfortable enough, not just where you're, hey, I can do that in an emergency, but that's my preferred homeostasis? Uh, it happened out of necessity when I went to Bleacher Report. So I was local news professionally trained. I could write a script in fifth, in like 45 seconds and get on air right away. And then we got to Bleacher Report, and I'm talking about we had cameras hanging from the ceiling with duct tape in the beginning, and I was part producer, part host, and it got to the point where I was like, I have to crank out 30 videos today, and if I'm going to sit down and write these out, we're only going to get through 10. And it just got to a point where we're going to work on this muscle. And it's funny because Chris Sims, who's now on NBC we would have to do once he got on like 20, 25 videos together. And so when I watch him on TV now and I see him ad lib in those 15 seconds, we text all the time because we we see how, how our muscles have been trained like that. And for me also, um, the sports are repetitive and a team wins and a team loses. And if you're writing, sometimes your writing will get repetitive and this is my way of challenging myself every night. And to what you were saying, after my first show, Tim Kiley, the original producer of Inside the NBA, legendary guy, he called me up and he said, what I love the most about what you did is that you messed up a few times, but you got it back. And to me, that is the ethos of Inside the NBA. The train is going to go off the tracks. In fact, we're going to encourage the train to go off the tracks. 
it's my job to get it back on. So I'm, I, I like the fact that it can go completely left. Yeah. I think you're exactly right. Like 95% of shows are looking to go smoothly. Um, so everybody is completely comfortable to that end. Uh, I read recently that, you know, the, the term point guard or traffic cop, I feel like you should have to pay a fine, uh, every time you use it. And I feel like speaking to hosts or play-by-play voices, like, I mean, my bucket would be full, but I read something interesting where it seems like you ascribe to the policy where it's, you're not the point guard trying to put, making sure that everybody is on the same page and everything is copacetic. You're actually trying to generate conflict because that's better TV than going around the circle and saying, you know what? I agree. The worst passes lead to the best alleys. A perfect pass is just putting it in the basket. But when you're a little bit behind a guy and they can show their range, I, I, I love really learning who I'm working with and knowing what are the things that push their buttons? What are the things they're really passionate about? Not, not to create, you know, daytime fake argument television, which we, which the fact that in their meetings beforehand, they're like, you take this side and you take that side. Like, I think we've all seen it. Um, For me though, it's setting them up to show what that makes them really special. You know, now that it's Jamal and Candace, Jamal Crawford and Candace Parker, the way that they watch the games, I'm trying to take what we're doing in the green room where Candace is standing up and going, he's going left shooting. And then it happens. And Jamal is like, did you see how he created space with that one step? It's at such a granular level. And I think when it comes to television, especially NBA on TNT, we would be doing it a disservice if we went on and said, man, that was a must win game, huh? If we're not providing either incredible value of basketball minds that you at home do not even understand that we're going to teach you or a true moment that you're going to wish that you had your phone up to record and share, I think we, it's a bad show. And I, so I think we need, my dream is to hit both every night is to have a moment where someone goes, you know why Giannis is so good? And then another moment's like, did you see Shaq fall into that Christmas tree? Like if you can hit both, that to me is a successful show. And it's sounds so simple, but it's all like, I feel like some executives maybe never do the work of being like, Hey, why am I watching this show outside of it's on at halftime or it's on post game. You need to give them a reason and a selling point. And, and obviously the franchise is, is what it is and, and has applauded, but it's something that it seems like it's constantly reinvented. It is, is, is intentional to be like, no, you need to be there. Otherwise you're going to be missing out. You, it sounds like you understand television and a lot of television is filling a rundown. And a lot of rundowns have talk about this game for 20 seconds, that game for 20 seconds. There is no flexibility. I work with my producer, Keith Robinson or Jeremy Levin throughout the week. And so we have an idea of what we're going to do for the, for the first Tuesday show. But if something happens Monday night, we're going to scrap the whole thing. And that's okay. Something could happen Tuesday afternoon and we're scrapping it. And in the rundown, It's going to just say, talk about, like right now, the big topic in the NBA is all these 50-point scores, okay? 
it's just going to say in the rundown 50 point scorers. And then there's going to be a block of four minutes. And they trust me enough to guide everybody through the conversation so it is natural. And we're not rehearsing what each person is going to say. And then it's up to me that if somebody says something that I think is truly interesting to go, whoa, 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 what is that? And so I'm, I'm playing cold, like I'm, I'm, I'm hunting half the time to try and find that, that gem that's different television. Cause I think um, the producers at TNT truly don't have an ego. And I think everybody there is okay if somebody comes into the meeting and they're the graphics guy and they're like, did you see that dunk last night? And we completely go with it. And it, it just, it, it, it's reliant on everybody to not need their idea to win. And that's why I think TNT has been able to stay fresh because it's every time we have a meeting, we could scrap it at any moment and go in a different direction. You've earned that trust obviously with the new contract uh, and then also the day-to-day. I wanted to ask you what it's been like to see your work rewarded. You mentioned just a moment ago, 30 videos a day, 25 videos a day, kind of an incredible workflow. Your visibility has gained. What's it been like to kind of process that from the public, but also from the public, your bosses, and then also your peers? So for them to even give me the, so I feel like the first time they really gave me a huge responsibility that I was like, wow, was the very first match, Tiger versus Phil. And I hosted the pregame show with Pat Perez, Samuel L. Jackson, and Charles Barkley. And to say that I was, I I was so nervous on one thing. If Samuel L. Jackson on camera looked at me at one point and was like, man, you're kind of corny. Like I would never be cool again because he is an arbiter of cool. Um, But it, it just, after that, what would make me scared? You know, like being up there with these people that were just titans, um, so that was the first time they really put their trust in me. And I feel like I, then they had me do play by play. And I felt like every time that they gave me a chance, I was like, I'm hitting this one. I'm getting a double, I'm getting a triple, I'm going for it. To give me the chance for the Tuesday show and to 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 let me steward that ship. And on the first day I walk in and I realize that they're like, Adam, what do you want to lead with? And I thought there was going to be some form of like handholding process and there was none it actually gave me a lot of confidence. And I was like, oh, we're running with this. To give me this last contract extension, um, I'm, I'm humbled and I'm very grateful and it's super motivating because now I my mindset goes from proving myself to building a legacy and really trying to t- take it to the next level. Um, and it's you talk to a lot of media people. I just think the people that I, that have kind of given me this opportunity, that the Taras, the Craig Barrys, the Scooters, the Luis now, Lenny Daniels, when he was there, Tina Shaw's like, every time I go in there, they put their hand on their shoulder and they're just like, you got this. And now it's at a point where I put my hand on their shoulder. I'm like, we're going to do some crazy stuff tonight, you know? So um, I'm, I'm, I'm really grateful because, you know, I got there about a decade ago and five years before that, I was making $18,000 as a one man band in Hastings, Nebraska. And it was a lonely journey, but 
And, and honestly, like eight years at Bleacher Report, um, before I started doing TNT, my big I made it moment was I went on TV and my grandmom got to see me on TV. And I'm, I don't want to cry right now. She passed away about a month ago. And sorry. Um, so I would have been very cool just doing digital for the rest of my life because in my generation, all we use is this. But my grandmom couldn't work the internet. She didn't know what she was doing. And the first time I went on TV, I was doing play-by-play -play of the Rising Stars game. And I started off by going, welcome to Cleveland, Ohio. We're getting ready for the Rising Stars. And the camera came on. And I said, I want to say hi to my grandmom. And then I did the show and nobody knew I was going to do that. And my cousin, Josh, got video of her seeing it and reacting. And it like sent her back. And... um that's why for me, it's like now, now in the beginning, I, I wanted to kind of make her proud and make my parents proud and all that. And now it's like, I want to see how far I can take it. And so that's kind of what I'm thinking now is I got to, I got the contract before she passed and we talked about it and she was very with it when we had the conversation. And uh, she would always ask me two questions. She'd say, are you happy? And are you saving money? And I was like, yes, I'm, I'm trying to do both grandma. But um that was my holy crap i make it people on the street kids coming up to me selfies uh nba players coming up to me and saying i love what you do man like you're doing the nba right that's all great as long as my grandma got to see it one time and she got to go to her canasta friends and said i'm going to watch my grandson on tuesday night that i'm good you know from here on out it's house money man i um i appreciate you being that honest um that's yeah. that's tough uh, uh let me let me change the mood just a little bit on you here uh go yeah. uh <laughs> go in a different direction are you ever worried that Shaq is going to spontaneously start doing one of his many commercial spots during the show i knew that being with Shaq was different on the second episode where have you ever seen the clip of bruce smith when he fainted during an interview i don't uh, yeah i think so He's like standing there and he just like kind of falls and the interviewer just keeps talking because he doesn't know what to do. So we're, we're in a commercial break. This is when I knew that working with Shaq, like if I don't embrace the fact that I have no idea what he's going to do, I'm in trouble. He goes, you ever see that clip? I said, yeah. He goes, we should do that. And I go, and this is the second time I've ever worked with him. And I go, yeah, man, like, you know what? Maybe like next week and I can just like talk. And as I'm talking, he trips himself falls breaks the set kicks it in all of the production staff is scrambling wade is in the camera yelling candace parker's going nuts and he rolls over and he goes and he winks at me and i was the only one that knew what was going on i was the only one that saw the wink and what i love about Shaq is that when i go on there at any moment he can ruin everything that i've had planned for an entire week an entire week and I have to be okay with that because it's Shaquille freaking O'Neal. He is the big Aristotle, the big cactus. Like, um, and but but like we talked about earlier, that's why TV is great. TV is not great, as he said, it's not one to two to three. You know, it's one to two to Shaq is now gonna call out everybody and he's gonna do an imitation of Shakira. Like it's 
I, I love it, man. And yes, if he starts talking about the general or printer cartridges, or I mean, if a guy gets hurt, I'll bet you a thousand dollars that he goes, man up, put some icy hot on it. Like every time I, I wanted to, I told them I want a button for when Shaq says something that I've heard before that I can hit it and like alarms go off. And it's like, you're getting old. You're repeating yourself, but it's his. Yeah. I Nobody works harder than Shaq. And that's the other side of this coin is he'll be in there working with like a DJ producer. And then like the next thing he's got a, a business meeting. And then the next thing he gets on set and can perfectly break down DeAndre Ayton on the block. And that's because he's Shaquille O'Neal. He, uh, he contains multitudes. Uh, that's for sure. That story you told, uh, it, it feels like I'm listening to like the uh, Dana Carvey uh, David Spade podcast where they're telling like old SNL stories. It kind of seems like oh. it's like that vibe. It The green room of the NBA on TNT is the best place to watch basketball in the world. And when I, I sat there one time between Shaq and Chuck, when I do the Twitter show and we were watching the Sixers game and the way they're talking about Embiid and making fun of them and like for missing something, it's the best. I, the only thing you can't do is you cannot give Shaq a speaker to play music on because he will DJ for the next three hours. And you won't be able, I won't be able to hear Brian Anderson or Ian Eagle. I won't be able to watch the game because when Shaq DJs, a song only plays for 40 seconds at a time. Mm. And he plays to see reactions. So he'll go, hey, let's go. I know you're going to like this white boy anthem. And then he'll put on like Vampire Weekend or something. He's more of like a Carol King uh, or like dancing in the dark to like, that's more his type of yeah meme white people music. Do you think you're doing enough for turtleneck visibility or do you think you could be doing more? I'm, I'm so happy you brought this up. Um, I wish that you, we could do a survey of the amount of turtlenecks being worn on television now compared to where it was in 2020. And I think once you start looking for it, you'll really see it is it has spread everywhere. I turn on uh, Amazon Prime NFL and I'm seeing turtlenecks. I turn on ESPN. There's a turtleneck on every show. I turn and I I don't want to say that I was a turtleneck pioneer, but I feel like I might be a turtleneck pioneer. This year we're doing a little bit different. Uh, we are still covering the neck, um, but I think for me, I I care about two things. I care about turtlenecks and I care about sneakers. I just got an alert on my phone that a pair of kicks for week three that I had to buy from Poland uh, has just arrived. Um, I believe that I have the best sneaker rotation on television and Shannon Sharp might have the best sneakers in his closet. And that's fine, but I wear better sneakers on television. And so I think that, I think that my, my swag, if you could, if I could talk about my own swag Please. with the turtlenecks and the sneakers, um, I'm just not seeing anybody touch it right now. There's a lot of good suits out there, you know, good button downs, you know, I see an ascot at Charles Woodson used to rock the ascot. It was very impressive. Jalen Rose wears like live botany on his lapel. I mean, it, he's about to go to prom you know, and, and he's always fresh, but 
I don't know, just watch television and tell me if they're if you if you're not like, wow, there really are a lot of turtlenecks right now. Because yeah, we'll get, where it started. We'll get IT on it. Uh I definitely I agree anecdotally. I feel like turtlenecks were big. Like when I was in high school, college, like 2003, 2004, heavy in my rotation, went away mm-hmm. from it. Don't know why. I mean, I, I live in a cold place, like makes all the sense in the world. It's also like, well, it's, the, it's also, there's two reasons that I do it. One, um, it's the most comfortable, like, like you're just wearing like a sweater. It's great. And then two, when we shoot hoops in commercial breaks, it allows me to have the most free range of motion for form. Because one day we did it and I was wearing a button down with a sweater on top and my form looked so tragic. And I just said, that was really the change. I was like, never again. I was like, mock turtlenecks, turtlenecks from here on out, just in case Shaq challenges me to a free throw contest. This is the easiest question you're ever going to get. But I'm curious how often you're actually asked, what do you like about the NBA? It was funny because I was, there's a few things. Uh, number one, it's on every night. And so in this world where everything right now is sports betting and everything right now is, is you know, this discussion and, and how it's being done, to have sports on every night is awesome. This particular brand of basketball that we're seeing this year, I think we're at the perfect inflection point of the young generations from years 2017 to 22 are really starting to hit their prime. Then we're getting the 2013s, the Giannis's, a little bit before him, the Clay Thompson's and stuff hitting like their peak peak. And then you have this incredible era of longstanding guys, the, the LeBrons of the world that, and then the younger, the youngest generation, the amount of these rookies that are coming in and having instant impacts or like the second or third year guy, like Tyrese Halliburton that are just skyrocketing every night. I have a different young star to watch. And so that's what I love about this NBA right now. Um, and I'll also say this, I, I was saying this to somebody the other day, I covered the NFL exclusively for five years when I was at Bleacher Report and I love the NFL. And part of what I thought we did at Simpson Lefko was we were player focused. We didn't care about the league. Uh, we we wanted to talk about the personalities. And now you see like IG accounts like Gridiron and or uh, BR or um, they have the NFL one, uh, the Checkdown. Uh, I I kind of think that we helped influence that a little bit. That's all the NBA is. It's personalities. It's fun. What happened on on Monday night for the NFL was tragic and it was sad. But I think what's sadder is that people are discussing it like it's never happened before or they're talking about it. Like we used to get so upset that there would be turf fields that lead to more ACL injuries and the NFL owners didn't care. I mean, go watch Concussion. In the NBA, the biggest scandal is I don't think they try hard enough in the regular season. But can you really say that when we're getting 71 points or Giannis is dropping 30, 20, and 10? I I love the NBA because the guys that really get celebrated like Giannis or Kobe or Jason Tatum have incredible work ethics and they're great people. There's always going to be some scandals. There's always going to be like, you know, disputes and stuff, but I find the NBA to be pretty pure. 
and a lot of fun. And I think that um, as this younger generation comes up, they got a treat. You know, John Morant is worth the price of admission every single night. And and Zion is special. I mean, I just I get I get excited and um because I grew up playing hoops and I grew up, you know, hearing about Dr. J and Moses Malone and uh and and I grew up on Iverson. I I have a pair of Iversons that I just bought for myself because I just want to live in nostalgia. And um I just think it's I think football players sit courtside at basketball games. And I think that's what what is is important to realize is when it comes to a, a fun night, it's a great NBA game. Yeah, it does feel like it captures that escapism um, that we all want. And, you know, at the end of the game, you can unplug or you can follow the storyline or whatever, but you're not going to have, you know, the lingering anguish like we had on Monday night where like, am I complicit in this? Like the, this, the helplessness of it all. Oh, um, yeah. People are sitting there and they're like man that's awful so what happens to our fantasy championship you like i don't want to wrestle with that anymore like I, look man I, I i love the nfl i watch the nfl i'm a huge eagles fan i hope they can pull it out but like i'm so worried about that kid uh and the nba just feels fun right now it feels fun specifically for me like i mentioned i have a kid who's about to be eight uh, and he's just starting to be interested in sports and he knows the name LeBron James. And it's funny, like his interest is peaked definitely over the last few weeks. And, and that is corresponded with um, huge games from Doncic and Jokic. And what strikes me and as you're listing all the fantastic players in this league before, and maybe something that I just realized in the past two days, explaining to him about how these different players play is there's such a cornucopia of styles. Like there's something for everybody. And I take myself back all the time to when I was in a, his age, yes, players were different. Like Hakeem was doing different things. David Robinson was doing different things and Barkley and Jordan were doing their own things. But I don't remember a time where there's been a bigger diversity of seeing the game. And especially for me with Luca and Jokic, how they see the game almost like as an art form. It's really fun to rediscover that through fresh eyes. I agree. Cause I think uh, there was a time in the early two thousands where it felt like everybody was a dunk artist and that got very repetitive, but now um, even like the Draymond greens and the way that they play, but I was watching the Grizzlies last night. And so here you have John Morant, who is the new age version of Alan Iverson. He's explosive. He can shoot, he can jump. And then if you want physicality, like Steven Adams had 20 rebounds the last two games. He had 15 rebounds last night. And I'm just watching him and I'm just seeing the way that's nineties basketball. If you want that, you can watch him. You can watch Jonas Valanciunas. You can watch Gobert. Like there's a lot of big guys that are physical that you can watch. Um, but then you, we have guys that are on the trajectory of being top 25 players of all time. If they're healthy and it pans out. Luca has that possibility. Jokic is a two-time MVP. Jokic is a two-time MVP. Stephen Curry is the greatest shooter that has ever lived on this planet. Um, I've never seen Giannis, a person like Giannis before. Maybe the closest is Shaq, you know, but 
Shaq eventually. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Actually, just said, I'm going to gain the weight and I'm going to go down low. But it's, you're right. There, there are so many different styles. Um, our first night, we have uh, the Thunder and the Heat as our first game. And then uh, Suns and Warriors as the second game. But that first game, like, Shea Gilgis Alexander is a star, a star. And if you've never seen him before, you're going to watch and you're going to go, this is a guy on one of the worst teams and he's dropping 30 points a night. Um, no, it's, it is really cool. And it, it feels evolved. And um, the hardest thing to do in basketball is shoot and everybody can shoot right now. And that's a testament to these guys and the skill and the practice. All right, Adam, thank you so much for the time. Uh, yeah, congratulations fun. on the uh, new extension at Turner. Yeah, and we'll look you. forward to seeing you tonight as you debut. All right. And I expect, you know, in like 20 years uh, to hear about, you know, little, little, is it Coster? Yep. Little Coster and like getting selected with the eighth pick uh, by the Detroit Pistons. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. I mean, he averaged uh, two points uh, in his little, little tyke league. Uh, but you know what? He plays the game the right way. Um, yeah. good team. Yeah. Set screens, rebounds, all that good stuff. Good talking to you, bro. Yep. I can't believe the opportunity has arisen and I'm going to milk it for all it's worth because I think as I wake up this morning, this is the proudest I've ever been to be a Detroit Lions fan. Um, it was the end of an era last night in my mind. A victory that didn't mean much in the grand scheme of the NFL outside of the Green Bay Packers not going to the playoffs didn't mean anything to the Detroit Lions because they were eliminated after the Seattle Seahawks squeaked out a victory over the Los Angeles Rams in overtime, you knew they were going to play hard. Dan Campbell is the one coach in the NFL where you can be playing a game on Mars, uh, you know, and civilization could be going down. He's still going to want to win that football game. So I am basking in the glory and this is as happy as I've ever been. I think it's the biggest win of my lifetime as a Lions fan even bigger than the playoff win 
in 1991, in my opinion, uh, to join me and just share in the moment and be happy in it and talk about what it means and maybe get in to this unique experience that is being a lifelong Lions fan is a fellow Kyle, Kyle Pafhausen from the Stephen and Kyle podcast, who stayed up late last night. I got to imagine it was tough to get to sleep, but just take me through the way that you're feeling, be as honest as possible, because I think that a lot of people around the state are waking up and it's a new day and they're probably a little scared to admit that to themselves. But I think when we work through some of the evidence, the only logical conclusion to draw is that the same old lions died last night. Yeah, thanks for having me, Kyle. This is, it's it's a strange journey to be a Lions fan, especially a longtime Lions fan, because a lot of people, you can kind of jump on and off the wagon. And Hard Knocks did a lot of favors for Dan Campbell and his coaching staff. You saw that kind of crumble the first two months of the season. So to see that roller coaster come back up in the second half of the season, you still have that shred of doubt that it's going to be SOL. And that might be a foreign term or mean a lot different to people outside of the state of Michigan. Same old Lions. It's been that way for the better part of my life. And so I was on a bunch of text messages last night watching eight minutes left, six minutes left, and you can kind of see the game script, the way it's going to go. And you're thinking, how many more chances does Aaron Rodgers have? And it doesn't take a lot of memory to dig deep enough to remember the last time this happened. And he threw a 50-yard Hail Mary to Richard Rodgers to win the game and get them into the playoffs. So it's still there. It's still there. And I have the, I'll have the text messages that I'll remember forever. Watch a uh, following this game saying, here it is. Are they going to exercise these demons, especially not just the Green Bay Packers demons, the Lambeau demons, three and 27 last 30 games in December and January at Lambeau exercise demons or SOL. And boy, for a few minutes there, it seemed like is the, here it is again. It, we can't escape it. It's going to be the SOL, but look at that. I mean, it's so strange being a Lions fan. And now we're on the other end being able to see, we have this whiz kid on offense running a hook and ladder play and a must gain down to keep this game in grasp. So it's been, I, maybe you have a different way to describe it, Kyle, as a, as a Lions fan for most of your life. It's been a nightmare. Like, it's hard. See, I think it's not so much a nightmare, but possibly worse. The way I've been trying to <laughs> explain it to people kind of outside this horrible bubble is you just feel left out and you feel this emptiness because I have never been super engaged in the NFL because I've never had that personal investment. I've never felt like a participant in it. I've never checked the standings of like, okay, or played with the playoff machine and be like, okay, what needs to happen to get the lions where they need to go? I'm following storylines this year. I'm hearing my team discussed on national platforms in a way that's not, can they go? Oh, and 16. So suddenly it's like, oh my gosh, what is this thing? Like, I feel like as I approach 40 here, pretty crazy that I'm discovering the NFL, much like I discovered other sports when I was a kid, because it's, hey, here's this property where I might actually get to be invested 
and a participant and not have to stand outside knowing deep down that it's never going to happen. And I think that the criticism here would be, yes, it's one year. They went nine and eight. They didn't make the playoffs. And I don't really care what they do the years going forward. There's a potential that this was the Nadir. Maybe the Lions go backward. But what is most important to me is that this year, this last 10 games, this eight and two stretch, which includes a loss at home to Buffalo on Thanksgiving, where the Lions acquitted themselves incredibly well and showed that they could play with anybody in the league as they did for the last two and a half months. Everything in my being was, there's no shot to go up there and win in Green Bay. Even though deep down, I believe in Dan Campbell and always have. To see the way the game started out, it didn't start out that well. It was at any moment, it seemed like the Packers were going to jump out to that 16 to three lead and the route would be on. For the Lions to respond like that and to take something from someone that they really wanted with every fiber in their being, all that was hanging on against Aaron Rodgers. This is something that we've never seen before. They were playing for pride and solely pride, and it meant something to them. And finally, that Lions brand means something outside of failure and laughingstock. And though the cast of characters constantly shuffled in, and I never fully bought into the same old Lions thing because new people came, seems after all this we at least have there is at least a plan in a plan in place and that starts with the guy at the top dan campbell so i feel like it's a total rejuvenation and the possibilities are at least there to allow a person to dream that this might be something yeah you've mentioned obviously dan campbell but there's one thing that I'm going to think about yesterday in that game last night. And one is the national attention that they're going to receive now. I mean, there's obviously it's internet rumblings and there are rules on what can and cannot be done in regards to HBO's hard knocks. I think HBO would be silly to not at least ask Detroit to be back. People love Dan Campbell. They fell in love with this team and the coaching staff with them being on it to see that last night, especially you're aware Vegas doesn't miss a lot. And Las Vegas, that line jumped after the Seattle game ended because that's the prevailing thought. They don't have anything to play for. If you dig a little deeper, you obviously understand Dan Campbell is not there to just allow his team to uh, get run roughshod over, you know, especially by a division rival. And as a Detroit Lions fan and somebody in Michigan, there's not many bigger rivals in sports, and I'm talking about hockey, anything that you see, we hate the Green Bay Packers and we hate Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre and that history. They What they have done to the Lions for the better part of 30 years, my goodness, it's a beatdown that you don't see in many rivalries. It just doesn't exist. So to see that last night, absolutely castrated, it's gone. Like when people are now going to think about the Lions Packers rivalry, the Lions went five and one against division opponents this year. Dan Campbell ran the table outside of that one game in Minnesota. It's, it's a truly impressive output and a change. And you're right. You know, the SOL theme, it's not the players. It's all from outside from fans and from outside analysts. 
And I don't know that that's necessarily wrong, but Jamal Williams doesn't know about SOL. Jamal Williams came here with a brand new staff and pretty much everything new, new ownership, new staff, new quarterback. That doesn't exist for these guys. So to watch that in person last night, again, a meaningless game. And it, it's, it's impossible to say that you weren't, that I wasn't at least a little deflated while following that Seattle game, having it come that close and knowing it means a little bit less last night. But as I'm watching it and I turn to my wife and I say, I just really don't like these guys. I really don't. I don't want to see them have one more ounce of success. And I don't care about our own success at this point. It might seem petty, but it's sports. What is it really petty? Well, that animosity is because they have what the Lions don't have. And that's, I mean, two Hall of Fame quarterbacks back to back, a ton of success, uh, being an iconic franchise in the league. And, and the Lions are always kind of like the, not the pesky little brother, the pesky littlest brother who occasionally jumps up and, and, and bites them. And maybe they play well and get a victory at home. I think that they were three and 27, their last 30 trips to Lambeau Field. And I think those four wins now have come very recently. I think that streak was at 20 games at one point. I think the Dan Campbell-ness of it is so important because, yes, Jamal Williams doesn't know same old Lions. Aiden Hutchinson does this. Aiden, Aiden Hutchinson does know same old Lions because he grew up not far from Ford Field. I think what Campbell has been able to do and the reason why he's a success is because he knows the history. He knows what it is. He knows the people. He played here. He's a guy who embraces taking lumps and learning from them. So I think that he's struck this delicate balance of being like, hey, we have all these players. Like, we have good NFL players on the roster, he would be saying. But, but we're not going to shy away from the pain and the heartache and the irre irrelevance from before. We're going to use that as motivation. I mean, I looking back at that clip from Hard Knocks of Jamal Williams breaking down the team and talking about how he wants to think about that record, it was like everything that they manifested preseason that looked like it belonged on old takes exposed after they started one and six came true. And it, it's just unbelievable because there's never really been promise for the lions. They've fought hard over the last month and a half to make the playoffs so many times in my lifetime, only to lose, you know, get in with a 10 and six record after winning five of the last six or whatever. That's kind of like been their, modus operandi but now entering next year I don't care that they didn't make the playoffs because I think that that win last night meant more than a single playoff win for me it was the cleansing of something that I never thought I would see cleansed and here there's this lines go into the offseason on a win and riding high they are not going into the offseason after going to San Francisco and losing 38 to 18 or whatever it would have been, because I don't think that they stood a chance out there in those conditions against that defense. Um, they got to where they got this year while having the worst defense in the NFL. That's something that I said to my colleagues. I was like, they are this good and they have the worst defense. They have positions in the draft where they can address it. And just looking at it logically, taking away 
the uniforms and the history, if this was any other team, you would be saying this is a side that's really on the come up and fans get to spend all off season anxious and super excited for what's going to happen next fall. And I don't believe that has ever happened since 1993. Yeah. I mean, to a degree, you look at that 2014 playoff loss to Dallas where the flag was phantomly picked up by the refs. You're right. They went into the offseason on a loss, a deflating loss, nonetheless. And there's a massive difference. You you finish the last game of the NFL regular season the way they did last night on the road in Lambeau. I think that's a much better way for them as a team and as for fans than getting spanked by Brock Purdy on the West Coast next weekend. It's That's not a look anybody wants. There's so much room for improvement on this team. And with so much salary cap room now opening up in the next offseason, the next two offseasons, it seems very likely Jared Goff gets an extension or at the very least kept around on whatever cap hit his current deal has. They did all this, and I'm glad you pointed that out, with such a horrific secondary and and back seven, quite honestly. It was released today that PFF had Will Harris as their highest ranked cornerback for the entire season. Will Harris, a guy directed by the previous regime who, by all accounts, was an uphill climb for him to just make the team. And his PFF grade was not very good. There is so much room for improvement. I'm a pessimist. I always have been. It's hard not to be, especially with this team. What have they done to earn my optimism? But you see a game like last night, and it's so hard to temper that. And I'm sitting there laying in bed because you're right. I'm a guy, I never have trouble going to sleep. My head hits the pillow, I'm out in 90 seconds. I watched that game last night and I'm laying there and my eyes are open because I want to open my phone back up and watch the Twitter videos of Jamal Williams' post-game interview. I want to watch Dan Campbell's pressure. I want to hear what I, and it doesn't matter. I mean, realistically, there's no important things happening for the Detroit Lions over the next 30 days until after the Super Bowl and transactions start happening. It doesn't matter. It's it's the blue Kool-Aid. It sucks everybody in in this state. And it's right now, it's never been flowing like it has in my lifetime. Dare I say for good reason, finally, because of course, you know, audio bookmark this for next September when they're one and three and still have to go on the road to Kansas City and Baltimore and New Orleans and Tampa Bay and uh, enter maybe a buzzsaw, but even so, not an, not as easy of a schedule as it was this year. So room for improvement everywhere. Are you bullish on Jared Goff? I don't know. I mean, I'd be curious on your thoughts. The national perspective seems to be pretty framed on Jared Goff. As long as he gets out of his own way, the team, if you put a really talented team around him, he can be okay. He is what he is. He's been in the league for for more than a half dozen years now. You're not going to get MVP level play at at the quarterback position. You don't need that. Trent Dilfer didn't need that. A lot of teams who have made it very, very far into the playoffs and won championships have not needed that. So you seem to be set on that position, which for this upcoming draft probably seems good for them. Now knowing what you need, what positions you need to shore up, and you just load up at those spots. And it hasn't been talked about it uh, a lot. A game like that on a national stage, seeing the way they played, seeing that post-game interview from Jamal Williams, seeing the way that the players acted around Kelvin Shepard, Aaron Glenn, Deuce Staley on hard knocks this year. 
I'm not going to go as far to say Detroit is a destination. There is, I think, ample opportunity in the free agency window for this team to actually make noise with players who want to come here, right? I That hasn't happened. I mean, as much as people wanted to play next, next to Calvin Johnson even back in the day, this is now a city and a staff where players are saying, hey, I can be utilized there, and they look like they're having fun. And that's not – it is a game, but that's not all that common in the NFL. Well, it's maybe it's not a destination yet, but it's certainly not a place to intentionally avoid like it's been in the past. Uh, on golf, great question and great segue here because I was going to ask you. I'm in on him. I have to be in on him based on him being the highest rated passer since week 10. Uh, that's half the season. That's not a fluke. Like that's not growing on trees. Someone who leads the league in that category is not out there. It's not out there in the draft for next year. And my thought process about it was my thought process was like this. I'm a huge CJ Stroud guy. I think he's going to be awesome in the pros. I wanted the Lions to get CJ Stroud. This season has changed what I want them to do because I don't think the Lions can wait. I think that they got to maximize right now. They're ready to win now. They're ready to go to the playoffs next year. Maybe they don't, but they're certainly capable of it. So why wouldn't you take a quarterback that has proven that he can put together half a year of, let's just say it. I mean, it's incredible football. Like maybe it doesn't jump off the page and the stats aren't what you would see other places in the NFL, but the results speak for their speak for themselves. And Goff limited his mistakes. He didn't play awesome last night, but he won in 20 degree weather with his nine inch hands, which has been the knock against him. You know, he can go on the road when it matters, when the conditions are bad and win. same kind of thing he did with the New York Jets game. Didn't play awesome in that, but still walked away with the win. In a lot of ways, that Packers game was like the Jets game where they found a way to do it at the end, similar score, relying on the defense. The most important point to make about Goff is if the Lions retain Ben Johnson, it's Ben Johnson, right? If the Lions retain Ben Johnson, the quarterback does not have to be the superstar in this system because it is an incredibly dynamic offense with a strong offensive line that can run the football, that utilizes like nine options. He arguably has an elite wide receiver who nobody has noticed yet in Amon Ra St. Brown. Like he doesn't have to be otherworldly. Now that throw he did last night, that was kind of like the Zach Wilson pro day throw to Khalif Raymond, which blew everybody's mind. He's capable of that now. And again, is he also capable of throwing seven or eight worm burners? Like he did through three quarters. Yes. You know what you're getting with him. The floor is pretty high. In my opinion, with him, the ceiling is not as high where it needs to be. But if you think that this team is good enough to win 10 or 11 football games next year, which not saying they will, but they are certainly capable of doing it. I don't understand the thought process and going out and seeking anything else elsewhere. Because if I put it to you right now, would you rather have Carr or would you rather have Goff? I don't want to change. And that's not saying a ton about Jared Goff himself. 
that's saying the way this roster is, it feels so meticulous, especially on offense. The addition of Chark, Williams in his second year, really taking on a bell cow role. It is kind of, you don't want to upset the apple cart. And is it going to take Jared Goff going 325 additional pass attempts without an interception next year to bring them to 10 or 11 wins? Maybe, maybe. And if what they need is more than a game manager, but less than Pat Mahomes, well, okay. Welcome to what 30 other teams in the NFL have outside of Buffalo and Kansas City and and possibly Cincinnati. It can be done. And in terms of comfort with the offense, I think it, you look at what Ben Johnson has done in his very, very short time in being thrust into this role. Look at last night on the national stage, you had analysts ooing and eyeing over some of these play calls. And you're right, a little sprinkle, just a little bit of the Jared Goff massive throw to Khalif Raymond down to the one. Jared Goff being able to hit Amon Ross St. Brown over the middle on those crossing routes that he's just going to catch 105 of every single season because nobody has nobody has the capability or cares enough to try to stop him. If that's all it takes, Jared Goff can be your guy. He is still young enough. We are not in the twilight of Jared Goff yet. He's not been exactly injury prone. He's a young guy in age and in, 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 in his physical uh, rundown, what he's been put through, especially in LA. A lot of people are going to look at the six points he put up or whatever it was in the Super Bowl. Sure, he's not the all-star. I mean, granted, uh, every now and again, that magic is going to run out a little bit. And you, like you said, we saw that last night, two and a half quarters of those balls skipping off the ground like you're at a local pond. Unbelievable. I, I thought for sure, this is it. This is the national stage is getting Jared Goff, the bad one. Whereas then, you know, the previous weeks, we see DJ Chark lighting up the stat box. We see Amon Ross St. Brown catching nine for 120 and a touchdown. And we see these impressive play three touchdowns to Shane Zilstra. Uh, my fear last night was, Hey, here, we're, we're going to get the SOL and same old Jared Goff conversation. So I'm very glad we didn't. The college quarterback class, every year you're going to have the same, The everybody say the exact same thing. You're going to have two to three elite. You're going to have the mid-level. You're going to take in the second, third, whatever rounds or second or third day of the draft. You're a Stroud guy. Have fun having those debates every day with people online saying that, you know, who want to jam the Ohio State quarterback narrative down your throat. Do I think Detroit's going to get to the point where they're going to look at that roster construction and say, we're a dynamic quarterback away? from taking that next step to Kansas city and Baltimore and Cincinnati and Buffalo, probably. I don't know when that is. I don't know if it's two years from now. I don't know if it's three years from now. I don't know if it's following a heartbreaking loss to the Packers next season to miss the playoffs again. However, it may come about. I don't know that Jared Goff is the 15 year future of the lions, but nobody is at that position. So I think you ride with what you have, which is a guy who's very comfortable and very good for this team following the beat writers, following anybody associated with the team, you cannot find a bad word about Jared Goff. You can't. He does all the right things. He was the team nominee for Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. He plays well. He plays his heart out. He he shows the same type of care that you want as a fan. You don't want the dismissive nature in the press conferences after he's done. It's nice to see. It's good to see Stafford had that quality. And somehow... I think it has something to do with draft status and that he was drafted here. Jared Goff doesn't catch the heat as much, I don't think, 
for when these games happen, when those ducks happen, like Matt Stafford did. And that's okay. He was an acquired, he was acquired here. He wasn't drafted here and thrust into the spotlight. He had it before he got here. So I think he gets a little more forgiveness from fans. All in all, there's no way to leave last night without excitement for the Detroit Lions going forward. Not on a Michigan level, but on a national level. Yeah, and look, these are great problems to have. The fact that we're even <laughs> discussing whether Jared Goff can take the Lions deep into the playoffs uh, is something that I never considered having three months ago. And here we are. Though I want to end on this uh, personal story here, but just to kind of showcase what it's been like. Uh, for 35 years, I've been watching the Lions and my dad has an annoying habit of kind of rooting against the Lions or just waiting for the other shoe to drop. Um, not so much that he doesn't want them to win, but I think that he had given up on them and he'd never been invested. Uh, you know, he's 68 years old. I got a text last night that he wanted my NBC login to watch the game, watch the game, engaged, texting me through it. He was rooting for the Lions after the game. Told me he's in, said he likes this team, thinks they have heart. He's a Lions fan now, almost 70 years old, only took three and a half decades of wearing him down. And I think that's just a testament to how special this team was this year and the emotional journey it took people on because it's really, really hard to quantify for people who don't understand what it's like uh, and what it's been like for so long. So in closing, what would be your attempt at kind of crystallizing this picture of what this year has meant for the community, which uh, suddenly is a lot in a it's way energized. that it's never been. It's absolutely energized. And to piggyback off what you said, I'm 35. I've watched, I've been watching Lions football for as long as I can remember. I would play catch for hours with my dad in the backyard with a foam football, nerf football, didn't matter, didn't care. He's the one who got me into Lions games. He's subsequently one who helped me, and to no fault of his own, kind of break myself free of the heartbreak that happened for so long. This state, as successful as the Red Wings have been, successful as the Pistons have been, to a lesser degree, the Detroit Tigers, nothing nothing comes close to bringing out fandom in this state like the Detroit Lions winning football games. It just doesn't happen. It's, it's impossible to quantify the fervor that this team can muster, which is something incredible considering how truly bad they've been for, for 60 something years outside of one playoff win in 1991 this team has done nothing to earn favor with this state and these fans. And yet people are there waiting every week that win last night will go down. I think as kind of a franchise shifter, I think you're right. It's you're going to see standing room only at probably all eight home games next year for the Detroit lions, which it wasn't that long ago. There were t-shirts. There was a campaign made calling them telling to ship them off to Los Angeles. So this franchise needed it probably more so than the playoff berth. They needed that win last night. If they had somehow clinched in week 17 and lost last night, I don't think that it might sound ridiculous. I don't think that it, that would have done for the franchise what a win last night did. So it's, it's incredible to feel. And now we sit here for eight months and wait for that to hopefully 
turn into something that we can enjoy again, right? Rather than a one and three September or one and six start that they need eight and two to finish the season out. So it's, man, what a run. What an absolute run this has been. It's, I'm sad to see it end. I'm sad to, I'm, I'm going to be bummed out not being able to follow this next weekend. I can't wait. I just can't wait. It's amazing. Uh, it's, you know, look, I'm no hyperbole. Uh, it's, I, I would not have devoted 30 minutes to this uh, if, if it wasn't real. Uh, we get to ride the good vibe for eight months. That's Kyle Paffhausen of the Stephen, Steve, of the Stephen Kyle podcast um, on a day that uh, we never thought would come. Uh, what a goddamn time to be alive. A Michigan holiday, man. That's what it should be. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.